Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, we talk with Molly, Chelsea, and Brian about navigating difficult emotions. We talk about how we find validation for our emotions, how we've learned to cope with them, either by distracting ourselves or learning to sit with them. We talk about coping tools such as sharing the burden with others, taking care of ourselves, and even EMDR therapy for overcoming trauma. We talk about learning to be okay with being uncomfortable and acknowledge that emotions won't kill you, but the way you choose to react to them could. And before we dive into this episode, we just ask that if you find the content here valuable, that you take a minute or two to rate our podcast on whichever platform you use to listen to it and take a minute to leave a review as well. It lets the podcast platforms know that you think we've shared valuable content here and other people that might benefit from our podcast will be more likely to see it. Tonight, we're here with Molly, Brian, and Chelsea. Molly, I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself first. Molly is our most regular of regulars, I think, at this point. This is I think, what, maybe your fourth podcast with us. So do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Molly. I've been sober almost two years now, and uh, I joined the sobriety community through the I Am Sober app, and that's where I've met all these lovely people. And yeah, I'm a traveling x-ray CT technologist based out of Florida. And um, let's see what else about me. Oh, uh, I'm a uh, domestic abuse and sexual assault survivor. So I'm really advocating on those behalfs too. Like every time they come up, I like to talk about that kind of thing, because for me, it ties very heavily into my drinking and sobriety. And I think it does for a lot of people. So thank you again for having me. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And thank you for having the courage to stand up for that. I think it takes a a lot of courage to, to talk about the stuff you talk about. So thank you for that. Next up, we have Brian and Brian's also been with us before on the podcast. How are you tonight, Brian? Hey, Julie. Good. Thanks for having me back. My name is Brian, uh, 46 years old. I live in Wayne, New Jersey, which is Northern New Jersey, sort of suburb of New York City. I am on day 110 today in terms of my sobriety, which is an I am sober milestone. This is my fourth stint at seriously getting sober. I've been on this journey since 2015. It's been, a, it's been a journey, but I'm feeling really good about where I'm at today, and I'm excited to be back on this podcast and talking with everybody here. Cool. It's really good to have you back. Thank you for being here. Yep. Good to have you back, Brian. Thanks. And last but not least, we have Chelsea, and Chelsea is the host of the Recovered Life podcast, and you can also find her at therecoveredlife.com. How are you tonight, Chelsea? I am good. Thank you guys for uh, inviting me. Yeah, I met you a few weeks ago uh, through Instagram, and Mm -hmm. I'm Recovered Life on Instagram. My sobriety date is July 22nd of 2015. I'm from Washington, Indiana, 
very active in our recovery community here locally and online. And I'm also like a mental health awareness advocate more generally, kind of as it pertains to people in recovery. And then, you know, just like, quote, normal people that haven't struggled with addiction of any kind. And um, as a former uh, soldier in the Indiana National Guard, I do have a special focus on veteran and service member mental health advocacy. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Really cool. Yeah, thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm really looking forward to getting to talk with you a little bit. So in talking with Molly the other day, she suggested what I think is a really important topic for us to talk about, navigating difficult emotions. This is something we all struggle with. I think most of us with alcohol problems use drinking to numb the emotions we didn't otherwise know how to deal with. The hard ones, grief, sadness, depression, anxiety, regret, dread. When we decide to get sober, we have to find ways to deal with those emotions without turning them off. I think that's one of the hardest realizations to come to in sobriety. We no longer get to turn off the emotions and escape them. We have to learn how to accept them and live through them while feeling them fully. So we're here tonight to talk about how we cope, how we get through the hard stuff without anything to dull the pain. I have a feeling this is going to be a tough subject to talk about. There really aren't any easy answers. No, there isn't. It's very person dependent too. And I think it can change a lot. I feel like we kind of want, I mean, me, we were just talking about control earlier. You know, you can kind of settle into routine and sometimes that routine works for certain phases of your life. But other times, if you grow in certain areas, you might have to adjust your routine and adjust your coping mechanisms, which is fine. It's just a new level of, you know, growth, which is inherently painful. (laughs) I think growing and healing is very difficult. So that would be like the first hard emotion I would want to bring up is just like how how to process you know the hard things like like grief and trauma and betrayal or you know if whatever your unique circumstance is like just moving through that on a day-to-day basis is the struggle yeah well i think this is really going to be like what you said at the end julie there this is a it's gonna be a tough subject and i don't know i definitely don't know I don't know what I'm going to say. This is my third time on th- in this podcast. And I think Julie and Steve, you both kind of know that I like to prep and write some, I, I have no idea what I'm going to say this time because I don't know what to say, um, but I will. Maybe this is why I'm on stint number four with sobriety. Yeah, I definitely drink. Escapism is the word I use, but you know, numb escape, whatever we want to say. That's, that's certainly a, the reason that I drank and maybe the reason I kept going back to it after I tried to get sober, you know, once and twice and then three times is because, and I haven't thought about that until literally this moment, but maybe because it's just like, well, I don't know how to deal with depression and loneliness and insecurity, stress and sadness and loss. And I don't want to. I mean, yeah, I do know how to deal with it. It's by getting wasted and hammered and not having to deal. So I'm going to stop there for now. I'll have more to say, but I, yeah, this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun one. And I hope I'll learn something. I'm sure I'll learn something from all of you talking through this tonight. I think somebody sent me an article some time ago that I thought was really interesting. It was about dealing with hard emotions and it talked about 
how healthy people deal with really difficult emotions. And it brought up things like grief and loneliness and betrayal, things that there's just nothing we can do about them and we just have to deal with them. And it was really interesting to hear how healthy people like emotionally strong, healthy people handle stuff like that, because I don't think I've ever been one of those people. But they talked about depending on what the emotion is and kind of the severity of that emotion, some people will just sit with it and actually cope with it in whatever way it works for them. And some people will focus on distraction and finding some way to not think about it at the time. And I think That's a really good point to start with is what do we do to distract ourselves? And I didn't even realize until reading that article that distracting yourself from difficult emotions is actually a healthy way to cope sometimes. I think it's a necessary way because otherwise we end up just drowning. So I think that's, that's one aspect is what do we do to distract ourselves? And then also the idea of coping with them and just sitting with those emotions and not letting them drive us to the point where we want to escape. I think a little bit of what, were you going to say something, Chelsea? I remember like when I first started drinking, which was like late in my high school career, even before my drinking became like constant and frequent, I was getting the effect that you guys mentioned, like, and by that, I mean, you know, numbing the emotions rather than feeling them because by that point in my life I had experienced like trauma and loss and I just had the feeling like I didn't fit in anywhere so drinking was a perfect way to you know make me feel more confident like I did fit you know by the time that I got sober which of course was years later like I didn't have the ability to feel many emotions Like early on in sobriety, I had a couple of family members pass away and I was like, I was really sad and like grieving and stuff, but I had a hard time expressing my emotions so much so that people uh, asked me, they're like, Chelsea, are you sad at all? And I'm like, yes, I'm just like, my emotions were very shut down. So like, I've had to learn over like the last seven years how to reserve my emotions for a more appropriate time to let them out, you know? And then like allow myself the space to grieve and cry and Mm -hmm. even be angry in a healthy sense, you know, like those of us who've experienced different forms of abuse or whatnot. um, I think it's good to acknowledge like, yeah, any sane person would be upset over some of the stuff that we've been through, you know? So it's kind of like a balance for me or learning like appropriate and healthy context to express emotions. I think Anger is healthy if you use it the right way. Yeah. I think figuring out where anger starts to become dangerous as opposed to, okay, I'm angry. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm angry. And now I'm going to sit with it because I can't do anything in this anger. I can't react properly. I can't function or deal with this issue when I'm in this space and then acknowledging that, okay, I'm angry right now. I can't do anything about the situation that's making me angry because I'm going to do something. I'm going to say something I don't mean. 
I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to form the sentence. I'm not gonna be able to express how I really feel after it all settles out and I have an actual chance to start trying to discern where it came from, what happened, how it's affecting me, and then how can I communicate that back so I can express, you know, it did make me angry. Uh, now I'm not reacting in inside the anger. I'm reacting on the other side of it. Not having it be, the hard part is not having it be the motivation that drives the conversation or the reaction or whatever else. Cause all it does is make it worse. Anger has its place, but it's hard to sit in it. If you don't recognize that that's where you are. And I think Chelsea, you make a really good point because I'm in year two. I'm, I'm one year, seven and a half months. And in that first year is what Molly was talking about when she first hopped in. In that first year, it's a lot of those big emotions you feel like you just hang on to. You just don't know where to put it, don't know how to, you go back to routine, whether that is some form of self-care, talking to really close friends, being able to put your vulnerability in, in safe spots because you kind of think you're nuts when it's happening and it helps you kind of realize that you aren't as crazy as you think you are. So what you just said, Steve, and this goes back to what Chelsea said too. This is something I learned from Molly and all of Molly's wisdom. Validating emotions is really important. I didn't even know what those words meant until I met Molly. But like Chelsea said, acknowledging that this is how I feel and this is okay, and this is a normal emotional response to this situation. I think a lot of us probably were invalidated in different ways when we were first starting to really feel big emotions. And for me, it was always, you're overreacting, you're overreacting, and you're making too big of a deal out of this. And so the first thing I have always tried to do is to shut down the emotions. That got really easy with drinking, and that was my go-to. And I think just accepting this is how I feel right now. This is a valid way to feel and not trying to find a way to turn it off or to change it or to make it less. If you feel like your feelings are wrong, it just makes it that much hard, harder to cope with them in a healthy way. I think that's a really important lesson for all of us that are in recovery. For sure. Yeah. One of the phrases that I came across in the community very early on. And it had mostly to do with like in the beginning, just straight up cravings at first, but it, you can apply it to anything, but it's it's the saying that the only way out is through. And I think that that applies to emotions too. Like you can't just, you know, like it's, you're coming up to grief, you're coming up to anger, you're coming up to this big wall of whatever you feel. And you can't just say, I'm going to go around this and avoid it entirely. You have to like deconstruct the wall brick by brick. And, you know, like it's sometimes it's just a very short wall with only a few bricks, but other times the bricks take like months <laughs> to really deconstruct. And um, like specifically for anger, for me, it was very useful for me for a while because like coming from a background of like manipulation and abuse and stuff. I actually needed anger to be aware of things because I wasn't even 
aware for the majority of my like my bad relationship that I was being abused like I Mm -hmm. thought it was normal and then when you realize (laughs) that's not normal you get kind of angry and so I I had to balance that I had to like not apply that anger to everyone but also I kind of picture it as like like a big bouncer you know just like standing behind me like with its arms crossed like ready to throw down at any time but also being very calm when necessary (laughs) so um I did it similarly too, just with alcohol industry. Like I had a phase where I was just mad at alcohol advertising. I was mad at the shows that showed people drinking. It just, every time I would see it, I would just get angry. I'm like, oh, why is this so everywhere? You know, it's just overwhelming. But in those instances, I'm very grateful for my anger because I never let it consume me. I just kind of use it to fan the flames of my motivation, I suppose if that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm going to come away from this with tools that I can use and tips and things that I can put into practice. And I right now, um, I mean, for those that don't know my story, which I decided would assume is most people listening to this. So I'm going through what's going to wind up being a divorce and it's because I was unfaithful. It's because of something that I did. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's the truth. And, um, uh, so I'm I'm right now in the throes of trying to figure out how to how to h- how to sit with those emotions, how to live with those emotions. That it's this this started in in June of of last year of 2021, came to a, a head in January of this year. But I use alcohol pretty much from August of last year all the way through January to to not have to deal with all the guilt and the shame and the self loathing and all that stuff and. So I, I mean, this is really a good topic for me right now because I'm trying to get to the point where I can forgive myself and work on you know, taking the next steps to make myself better. But it means facing all these kinds of things. So all that preamble was to say uh, what I said earlier, which is I want to come away from this with some, some lessons learned. You talked about when you said distracting early, Julie, before you then said what you later said, I was like, that doesn't seem right. Like, why would you? Distracting doesn't seem like a good thing. You, you, and then you kind of went and said the same thing, right? Like it doesn't seem intuitive, but it is like you're, you're, you're saying this is from the literature you've read or the, the experts you've listened to. They tell you that sometimes you need to distract, I guess. So what I'm trying to get to here is how, how do you, because what, what I'm hearing from you, Molly, it, it makes perfect sense too. like, you know, validating the way that you feel is important, but to do that, you have to face, this is how I feel. How do those two kind of coexist, you know, validating my feelings, but then maybe knowing that I also need to distract myself from them at the same time. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but there's a, there's, there's an intelligent question up there somewhere. I don't think it's quite coming out. I think you're making a lot of sense. I think once that feeling is validating or validated, there's a sense of relief. At least there is for me. I like I had a sense of relief. The greatest fight that I had wasn't somebody else validating it for me. Somebody was telling me that, you know what, the way you feel, Molly's done this, so is Julie. The way you feel is valid. But then being able to accept that this is the way I feel. Like this is actually I'm not making this up. I'm not fabricating it. I'm not doing a I am just sad. And that is okay. Because there's the part in, in me that like I would fight it. 
would fight that, you know, it's not okay. That's the fix it mentality. Like, how do I fix this? And then we drank, I drank to fix it. So I didn't have to deal with it. Now it's like there, it exists. I'm just going to go back to what Brian said. I was thinking about that too, when I was reading that article. And so this was, um, I tried to find it earlier because I was kind of hoping to refer back to specifically what it was and I couldn't find it, but it, it was a scientific study. It was a scientific research article. And I think what I came to understand is that we have to feel things. We don't have any choice if we're going to get through a difficult time, but to feel those emotions. There are times when you're feeling something really extreme, when you've lost somebody very close to you, when you're feeling that intense regret that just feels like you're drowning in it. And I think it gets to a point where you have to just not face it for a little while and find a healthy way to distract yourself from it so you have a break from just focusing on it constantly because we'll drive ourselves crazy if all we do is just you know, I tend to ruminate just the same thoughts over and over and over again. And I'm not making any progress. I'm not doing any good. And I think that, you know, that's, that's something that makes you want to escape. So I think having some healthy distractions, and I think we probably could talk about those, what those look like, because I'm betting they're different from all of it for all of us. But I think that's where the distraction comes in is just an opportunity to give yourself a rest from trying to process it's like Molly said, taking bricks down. Sometimes you just need to rest. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, or like if you want to give the the metaphor even of, you know, or we can go back to the brick thing because <laughs> I like that one. You know, if you're picturing yourself like literally like building something like that, you're not just going to go at it like for hours and hours and exhaust yourself you're going to take breaks you're going to have maybe some music playing you know you're going to maybe have some nice sparkling water if it gets you get kind of overworked you're going to have a meal you hopefully will have a friend working on the wall with you so you're not doing it all by yourself so it's like the the wall itself is kind of like there and it's you acknowledging what's going on but then there's the tools you carry with you to help you get through it easier so you don't have to do it just by you know hard work and you know grit you can treat yourself kindly while you're facing it i think uh, it make, it really makes good sense i like that you can have have some trial and error whether that's like your the distraction is going for a run or working out or reading a book or i mean going on a hike or some form or version of a break from right. that that takes your mind off of it and i think that's what julie's getting at is is just take your mind off of it focus change focus to something else it's not a bad thing because it doesn't really have to get dealt with today the here and the now nothing really does have to get dealt with immediately even though it feels like it that captain obvious statement but but the the healthy the word healthy is is key here right julie like you you said that because the distraction can't be getting drunk and then maybe that's where i was getting a little hung up when we were talking about it too when, when you first said distraction i'm like well shit i mean that's kind of what i was doing right yeah but I, I think that's, that's escaping. I think, I think there's avoiding, a difference yeah. That's, yeah. between. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a difference for sure. Yeah. No, this is good. I like that a lot. I like, and the analogy is great, Molly. What I've done lately, like 
it's different. I wouldn't call it like a distraction from my emotions, but it's helped like related to trauma. I'm in therapy as well um, as my recovery program and community and stuff. But I don't know if you guys have heard of a therapy called EMDR, but it's trauma therapy essentially. And what it does like, and there's scientific studies behind it, it like helps the brain like reprocess trauma I won't try to explain it all, but it's, it's incredibly powerful. So like I used to have huge fear related to driving in unfamiliar areas, right? Like I would get like terrible anxiety and it caused me to like miss out on social events and important things because I couldn't drive due to the trauma and the car accidents with semi trucks. So they've gotten into on multiple occasions. Right. So after the therapy, it's like my brain, like, now, the best way I can explain it is it knows where to store those traumatic memories. So now I, I've been able to not distract or eliminate them, but calm them down to a degree where I can kind of move on with my life in some ways. And I liked what was mentioned earlier about having our emotions validated kind of calms them down. Like I think so many of us in recovery, like have a lot of childhood issues, trauma, like maybe there was like neglect or emotional abuse of some kind. And then like, I know for me today, if I'm feeling sad or whatever, all it takes is someone or angry. I mean, anything, you know, any hard negative emotion, all it takes is somebody listening to me for the sake of listening, not for the sake of fixing me or changing how I feel or anything, but just to say, yeah, that must be hard. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. A lot of times that's enough for me to like be, become less angry, at least for that moment, you know, um, that way I no longer feel like I'm trying to stuff down my emotions. I'm not feeling like this other person is trying to dismiss me or, or anything like that. That's why I think, uh, when it comes to like mental health uh, and sobriety, having community is so important because, you know, oftentimes people who have not experienced what we have as far as like alcohol addiction or trauma or what have you, um, they kind of have the get over it mentality. Whereas people who are in the same boat as us are looking for healthy ways to handle this stuff just like we are. And Yeah think an important thing is is when uh like i experienced some pretty big emotions this past weekend and one of the things that i find really important is that when i'm sitting in a big emotion that i don't do it alone i think it's important to realize that doing it alone is really really hard and it can be really dangerous. Finding a place, a safe place to put it, to share it, because sometimes it's just a matter of perspective or just sharing that pain. Like sitting alone is never any fun. And when, when at least in my experience, if, if I do, like finding the courage to share the hard stuff especially when it's live, especially when you're experiencing it, when you 
think you're just going to burden someone with your story for the day or whatever that may be. I think I know for me that if I don't share it, then I never give anybody a, a chance to show me that, you know, I matter or I care because in or they care because in, in those moments, sometimes that's all you need to hear too, is that just to know that someone is there. Hey, I'm listening. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah. I've actually had a really, um, a really interesting and quite uplifting experience at this most recent job I've been at. As a traveler, you, you know, you have to walk into a new department and introduce yourself and you slowly get to know everyone in the department, et cetera. Um, and inevitably, just because drinking is such a big part of pretty much every culture everywhere, you know, there, there comes a time when either you're invited to something or it comes up in conversation or, you know, there's someone's telling a story about a time they were drunk, whatever, whatever. And it eventually came out like to the point where I, I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't drink, you know, I don't drink anymore. And like the immediate question I got like right off the bat was like, well, did you have a problem? And I just very quickly was like, well, define problem. Like everyone's problem is different, you know, like, <laughs> and like the guy, you know, who, who said that he wasn't like rude about it. He was just like, no, you're right. You know? And I've, I found that if, if I like explain my reasons for it, even just simply like, you know, I was unhealthily dealing with trauma. Like I've said that before, I'll be like, I was using it as kind of a crutch to deal with things or I didn't like how it was stopping me from doing certain things in my life. It really seems to spark something in, in people. Like they just want to either talk about their own things that they're having trouble dealing with because you've, you've kind of broke the ice and, and initiated that conversation about emotion rather than drinking. Because I don't think the average person really understands how tied together they are because it's such a part of, you know, popular culture. But yeah, it's, I, I actually have a party coming up this Saturday. It's my going away party because it's my last week here. And I, you know, I told everyone that I don't drink and they were very courteous. They're like, so do you want no alcohol to be there? And I had this moment, I'm like, oh, no one's ever asked me that before. <laughs> but um, I, I told, I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, if this is the way you enjoy your time, like, please feel free. So um, that was just a really kind of strange moment for me, you know, to, to let people be people, but also understand that, like, I can have conversations with people outside of the realm of alcohol that are still meaningful, even <laughs> if there's alcohol involved. So... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> You'll have to let us know. That's yeah. really cool. I like the, 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 yeah, that is very cool. I found in a prior stint with being being sober, my my initial thought would be, yes, I don't want to be anywhere near it. Now, maybe I'm at that point right now, but I think you're what you said, you're over two years, Molly. Maybe uh, almost two, two years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I don't speak for you. Everyone's different, but maybe, you know, you're at a point now where it's, you're, you know, a little bit, you know, sturdier ground. Um, I, I just wanted to backtrack a little bit. I'd like to put Chelsea and Steve, you both kind of touched on. I, I made a you know, shocker, Steve and Julie, but I made it. This is a very short list, but when I was thinking about the few things, it's not that good. It's, it's really not. Um, but I, it's, Amazing. It, what, what do I want to say? Um, 
you know, what, I, what could I say? How, cause like, again, I, I don't have any answers here. So this is like me thinking of what could some ways for me to deal with tough emotions, you know, head on be. And some of the things I wrote were around community, around talking about it with someone you trust around connecting with people. I just, I, I so, so, so strongly agree with, with that. Um, I think that community is such, so, such a big part of this whole journey for me, probably for most of us. It took me a while, like only recently that I realized that I can't do this alone and community is so huge. So I, I couldn't agree more with the stuff that Chelsea and Steve said about, about that, about community, about talking, finding a person. Don't, don't try and go it alone. Uh, whatever my, whatever my solution is going to be for me personally with dealing with these things head on, it's going to involve community. I mean, I don't have any doubt. I think one thing that I'm, I mean, I've probably, I've probably said this on several of our podcasts because I think it's really important. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's okay to be uncomfortable. So often we try to turn it all off because it doesn't feel good and we want to feel good. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to sit and be uncomfortable for quite a while. It's not going to kill us. It's just not going to feel good. And that is okay. We don't have to stop ourselves from feeling uncomfortable. Like almost always with a hard emotion, time is going to help some space between the thing that happens and and where we are now almost always helps at least lessen the severity of those emotions. And sometimes you just have to go through that time and accept that you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to hurt. You're going to be sad, whatever that is. And yeah, that was, I think that's just been something that it was really hard for me to grasp, but it's okay. I don't always have to feel good. And somebody else said, emotions won't kill you the way you choose to react to them could. And I think that's a really powerful thing to, to understand. Yeah. Very true. Molly, what was it that you said about moving through emotions? Moving through, oh, the only way out is through. Is that what you mean? That one? Yeah, just just that, you know, I know we, we, we talked about like tools to handle them and stuff, but at least for me, I, I have, I'm like a chronic compartmentalizer. Like I'm, I'm extremely good at suppressing my own emotions in the moment. And to the point where, um, they, they literally sneak up on me. Like I, I will be going about my day totally feeling fine. And then all of a sudden I will just have this wave of anxiety descend on me and it, it will have nothing to do with my current surroundings at all. Like my, everything around me can be in a perfectly safe, normal environment, but I'll just be like, why am I suddenly feeling this way? And then I have to, I'm getting better at it. At the beginning of my sobriety, I just felt like a crazy person. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know where all these emotions are coming from. This is nuts. But I now realize I'm like, oh, it's probably from this thing. And it's often a very delayed reaction for me. I'm, I'm not, I never have been, even when I was a kid, like part of my whole reason I, that drinking was appealing to me was because I was kind of in an environment where 
I felt like I needed to put the emotions of my parents before my own, even as a child, because I was so obsessed with not being a burden. And if I wasn't happy, I felt like I was failing in some way. So like alcohol is instant happiness. So, you know, that that's why it appealed to me. And I always felt socially awkward, but, um, but yeah, like it's for me now, the current struggle is just identifying the reasons I feel things and learning to not have just such a strong visceral, like going straight to the trauma response thing. Um, I actually have tried EMDR, like you said, Chelsea, I, mm-hmm. it was several years ago and I, I didn't continue with it. I probably should have because it, it seemed really revolutionary at the time, but I was also still drinking at the time. So I feel like it kind of was stunted in its benefits because I was just still using drinking to cope. I would love to go back and try it sober. Is this something you've done recently? Yeah, I um, I was about five years sober when I started therapy. I had a friend uh, suggest suggest like therapy in general to me. Um, not because I was struggling with staying sober, but because like the more I matured in my sobriety and my spirituality and stuff, the more I realized, hey, the reason, like probably the root cause for a lot of these emotions and my trauma responses, like with the car accidents and abuse and things like that, um, a lot of these things could probably be helped with therapy. And so I went and uh, my therapist uh, was certified in EMDR and I was able, number one, to find like the perfect therapist for me. Like we had similar upbringings, had similar struggles with alcohol, um, similar struggles with like self-identity, things like that. And so he, uh, like I started seeing results like fairly quickly from EMDR. Like anytime something new happens or it's uncovered like trauma wise, or I look back into my history and think EMDR could probably help with that too. You know what I mean? And like the way trauma works, it's like kind of a snowball effect. So there's like abuse from my stepdad growing up mixed with like abandonment and being forced to suppress my emotions, the car accidents, you know, things that happened to me while I was drinking and all just kind of snowballs, you know, but what EMDR has helped me do is like kind of unravel some of that. And I do like, I've not heard like any statistics or anything as to like whether it's more beneficial for someone like with a history of problematic drinking to have stopped drinking first. I I would assume like it would be, Um, but I've seen like my entire experience with it has been in sobriety and I've, I'm getting to know, like the more I talk about it, the more people I've heard um, almost everybody. Well, actually everybody, I've not heard anybody have like a negative response to it. I think it's pretty cool. Like it's, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but like statistically right now, it's one of the most used therapies for people like coming back from war with PTSD and stuff like that. So it's like revolutionized that as well, which is really cool. Well, that's really awesome. Thanks for sharing that experience, Chelsea. What I find really interesting is that before this meeting, I came into this meeting with a ball of anxiety because I have something big coming up this weekend. And so like I felt the tightness in my chest and I'm, I've, I've been feeling some big emotions the past couple of days. And so what we talked about a bunch of things here and I feel better because we talked about it. 
We just talked. Mm -hmm. It's been distracting. It's been validating. (laughs) Just because I'm here, I feel a sense of community. We talk about stuff that's uncomfortable. And when we talk about stuff that's uncomfortable, we feel better. We can't do this alone. Like this is all of the stuff that we talked about today. And I literally feel better now than what I did or how I felt when we started. So a lot of the things that we shared are a lot of like just even the overall care is just really, really cool. So I want to thank you, Molly. Thank you, Chelsea and Brian. Thank you guys for your vulnerability. Thank you guys for sharing your experiences and thank you guys for your time. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, email us at throughtheglassrecovery at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.